Okay, let's uh, look at page, what is it, 65? 65. There's yeah. a portion there that says you're created by God. Yeah. You have a purpose. Sorry, you want to read that, please? <laughs> you were created by God. You have a purpose. Everyone wants a purpose for their lives. Finding your purpose, we've been told over and over, is what makes life worth living. What makes life really satisfying? Unfortunately, not all of us get to experience that particular form of satisfaction. Sadly, our culture often determines a person's value by how much that person can contribute to society, or at the very least, how much that person can avoid becoming a burden to others. If an individual's purpose is not apparent to the rest of the community, they may question his or her very worth as a human being. God never sees us that way. In fact, every single person on our planet has an, has an inherent value and a specific purpose. That's because every single person on our planet is a human created in the image of God. As you study the prophet Jeremiah in this session, we'll see the moment when he discovered his God-given purpose. Looking at the call God placed on Jeremiah's life, we'll discover important principles that apply to all of us. Best of all, we'll see that regardless of how the world sees us or how we see ourselves, God has created us for a purpose. Okay, very good. One point we want to make sure you get is we're going to look at the principles uh, that will apply to our lives, but the important point is <coughs> regardless of how the world sees us, that last line, or how we see ourselves, God has created us for a purpose. And sometimes people go through their lives without thinking that they don't have any, without thinking that they have a purpose at all. But regardless, and as we'll see as we move on, regardless of what situation the person finds themselves in, God has allowed that, because remember, God is sovereign. He has allowed that particular situation or circumstance because He has a purpose for that particular individual to accomplish for His glory. Remember, it's all for God's glory. And we've seen many stories in Scripture uh, where people were afflicted and it was for God's glory, that God be glorified. Okay, the first question uh, then on page 67. What's the most valuable object you've touched or you've ever touched? Diamond necklace. Diamond necklace, okay. <laughs> How long did Judge it for? Oh, Jessa. Fraction of a second. <laughs> Diamond ring. Diamond ring. Okay. Rolex watch. Rolex watch. Okay. Anybody else? I couldn't think of something other than like the ladies that said diamond, but I thought, well, I've seen extremely invaluable things. I saw the Sistine Chapel done by Michelangelo. Mm -hmm. I sat in the room and watched and looked at it very long, and I got to see the Mona Lisa. Wow. Okay. So, like, that's a big deal to me. I couldn't touch any of it, but I was close. Okay, well, the picture here shows diamonds and, and stuff, so mm -hmm. I guess that would category, you know, most people consider jewelry yes. as the most valuable things that, that they've ever touched. I, um, 
I was at my boss's house on Friday, uh, and as I was going up, uh, I was going there to, because they, they had some furniture come in and, and the glass got broken in the shipment and stuff like that. So they asked me to look into getting it repaired. And so as I was going up, uh, they were in the elevator. And when the elevator opened up, they were coming out as, as I was going in. Uh, so they told me they had to go and uh, take someone to the airport, but I could go ahead uh, because I had my own key for the house. So I went in and uh, I had this television set that um, we took out of the unit that's going to be uh, leased. The U.S. Embassy don't like televisions and stuff. Uh, so when you rent a place to them, you got to take that stuff out. All the television, all the dishes, all the linen, all the pillows, all the picture frames, everything got to come down. And so I'm in the process now of moving all that stuff out. And so the television said I took it to the house because I spoke to uh, the lady in the house, she said, oh yeah, we could probably use it. So I was taking it there at the same time, trying to kill two birds with one stone. And when I walked in the room, I noticed he had this big case. Never seen it before, but there was this case with watches in it. And there was one watch that was spinning around like on a, you know, you go to a jewelry store and you see this stuff yeah. spinning around. I said, boy, that must be an expensive watch. You know, I didn't touch it. <laughs> I should have touched it. <laughs> but there were, there were about two or three watches in the case. And there was one that was spinning. I, I was thinking, boy, that must be a Rolex. He had it in his bedroom on the dresser. You know, I says, wow. My mind ran on that when I saw there all this jewelry in this picture here. Because most of the things that people value most is jewelry. Yeah. All right. And when he says, I'm going to ask him how much do his watches value. Hope you don't draw. Okay. Let's look then at uh, Bible meets life on page 68. Yeah, we can have someone read that, please. Our group was conducting a medical clinic at Dewitt Street Evangelistum in a very poor slump outside Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Unfortunately, several days of fighting between the police and the gangs in the slum had created an intense situation and the people we came to help were afraid to leave their houses. We made an appeal to the police to allow us to continue our work while keeping those in our group safe. I will never forget the response of the police officers to our request. One of the officers sneered, why would anyone want to help those dogs in the slum? My heart had another sovereign reaction that day. Outside of my own culture and context, I felt nothing but love for these poor Brazilians. But how many times had I harbored prejudice in my own heart towards someone in my country who wasn't exactly like me? Perhaps most sovereign of all was the realization that I know what the Bible teaches. God loves everyone, mm -hmm. and he has a unique plan and purpose for each life. Yes, yes. Okay, how many times have we found ourselves in that same situation? Oh, many times. You know, we, we get caught off guard, as it were, and we think just like that. We may not have said it, mm -hmm. but in our minds, we were thinking like that police officer thought mm -hmm. and voiced it. The first question, uh, or the second question, well, let's look at the paragraphs. Uh, or the, let's look at the, the, the verses on uh, 
page 69. Someone read the verses. Scripture verses. Uh, Jeremiah 1, 4-5. The word of the Lord came to me. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. I chose you before you were born. Do we think like that when we see individuals and circumstances that they are special to God, that God chose them before they were born? How many times do we think like that? The three terms, the three terms God used, uh, verse five, to announce his will to Jeremiah all point to God's sovereign selection of Jeremiah to be his prophet. Three things. One, uh, God chose Jeremiah to be his prophet at this point, at this particular point in Israel's history. In his sovereignty, God chose individuals for specific roles of service. The fact that God chose Jeremiah to be a prophet even before God formed him in his mother's womb emphasizes that his choosing of Jeremiah had nothing to do with Jeremiah's knowledge or ability or righteous living. Absolutely nothing. <clears throat> in fact, the term formed is the same word used in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 to describe how God formed man out of the dust of the ground. It's the first point. God chose him. The second point is God set Jeremiah apart. So the key phrase is set apart. The first one is chose. Second one is set apart. The Bible often describes someone who has been set apart by God for his service to be holy. While we become holy because of our relationship through faith in Jesus Christ, with God who is holy, we also become holy as God calls us and sets us apart for his service. And God has specifically set each and every person in this room apart for something. <laughs> then the third thing is, God appointed. First God chose, then he set apart, then he appointed. He appointed Jeremiah to be a prophet to the nations. While Jeremiah delivered most of his messages to the nation of Judah, God would also speak through him a message of judgment to all the nations that had oppressed his people. And we see reference to that in Jeremiah from chapter 46 all the way through uh, chapter 51 and verse 64. The obvious implication is that God is not only sovereign over his chosen people, but God is sovereign over all the people he has created. There's something to think about when we have prejudice in our hearts about anybody, simply because of the fact that they are created in the image of God. And that's why murders should affect us so much. Because whoever gets murdered, that person is created in the image of God. And so we see Jeremiah was chosen. He was what? 
Set apart. Unappointed. Okay. Let's look at the paragraphs now beneath the verse. We have someone read those, please. As a prophet, Jeremiah's 40-year ministry spanned the low point of Judah's history as a nation. Jeremiah is often called the weeping prophet because he continued grief over the sins of his fellow Israelites. Worse, Jeremiah ministered during the Babylonian conquest of Judah, during which the temple was destroyed and many of his countrymen were taken into captivity. <clears throat> Despite these factors, Jeremiah knew God's plan and purpose for his life. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. The Hebrew word transferred, chose, carries the idea of knowing someone and establishing a relationship. God was intimately involved in the course of Jeremiah's life and development. I set you apart before you were born. God set Jeremiah apart for a specific purpose even before anyone else could see that purpose, even before he was born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Long before he knew it, Jeremiah had a specific assignment from God. <clears throat> Surely that was encouraging to remember when he faced discouraging and even threatening times. More than ever, the world needs to understand that God has a plan for every human life. He has a plan for the unborn. He has a plan for the elderly. He has a purpose for those with physical or mental needs. He has a purpose for those who cannot function without the assistance of others. No human being has any less value to God because of his size or ability or race or age. Next page. Unfortunately, just because we begin with my seventy. No. Seventy. Oh, did too many. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> my parents knew about me almost nine months before I was born. But God knew about me thousands of years before I came into existence. God surely took joy at my birth the unveiling of his creation. He feels the same way about you. God has known you longer and better than anyone else. He loves you more than you can ever comprehend. And he has an incredible plan for your life. Okay, and notice uh, the paragraph, final paragraph on page 69. Last paragraph on page 69. More than ever, the world needs to understand that God has a plan for every human life. Many people don't think about that. God, even the atheists, God has a plan for every single human life. He has a plan for the unborn. He has a plan for the elderly. He has a plan, he has a purpose for those with physical or mental needs. How many times have we heard stories about people with physical or mental needs became such a tremendous blessing to other people who have who got all their faculties? Yeah. We hear it over and over. Okay, whenever we hear stories like that, then we need to think about God's plan and purpose for every single human life. 
And then he has a purpose for those who cannot function without the assistance of others. Again, how many times have we heard stories about persons who went to give assistance to others and they left more blessed than the help they went to give? Okay, God has a purpose. No human being has any less value to God because of size or ability or race or age. Something to think about, isn't it? Yes. Okay, Jeremiah's story points to God's purpose for our lives. Period. Thankfully, as we will see in verses 6 to 7, God doesn't leave us alone to fulfill those purposes. In other words, God doesn't say, I have a purpose for your life. You are not your own. Go for it. No. He works with us and through us to accomplish his purpose for our lives. So then let's look at uh, those verses uh, on page 70, verses 6 to 8. Any question too? No, go to the verses first. Oh. Jeremiah 1.6.8 But I protested, O no Lord God, look, I don't know how to speak since I am only a youth. Then the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for you will go to everyone I send you to and speak whatever I tell you. Do not be afraid of anyone, for I will be with you to deliver you. This is the Lord's declaration. Okay. Oops. Now let's go back to question two. What makes us valuable as human beings? We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are? Fearfully and wonderfully made. Okay. Anybody else? God created us in his likeness and image. God created us in his likeness and image. Anybody else? And that's the answer. The short answer is, we are valuable to God because we are created in God's image. And many people don't think about it like that. But that's the short answer as to why we are so valuable as human beings. And so whenever a person uh, looks at another person in an untoward way, that's the thought that ought to come forth from our lips if we're there. You know, regardless of how the other people are viewed, that person is valuable to God because they are created in God's image and God's likeness. Okay, let's look at the paragraphs then beneath that verse. Sometimes God's specific plan for our lives is clear, like it was for Jeremiah. But even when we're unsure of our path, we can trust that God still has a plan for us. How does he reveal that plan? God's plan is found as we seek Him. It all starts with having a relationship with God. He isn't hiding from us. He actively wants us to know His will for our lives. The Lord is near, the Lord is near all who call out to Him, all who call out to Him with integrity. Psalm 145, 18. God's plan is found as we follow His word. So much of what God wants us to do is already revealed in Scripture. God's will, God will, God's will concerning our character is very clear and explicit, and the Bible guides us in how we are to live. When we follow Christ and get our attitudes, ethics, and morals in line with the righteousness of God revealed in Scripture, the specific details of God's specific plan for us will fall into place. Okay, go to page 72 and continue. <clears throat> Unfortunately, 
Guess when we begin to get a clear picture of what God wants us to do, an excuse machine often roars to life inside our minds. Hmm. We find a hundred reasons why we can't do what God wants us to do. This happened to Jeremiah in verse 6. He counted God's plan with two excuses. I don't know how to speak. Jeremiah lacked experience as both a leader and a prophet. I am only a youth. The Hebrew for youth covers a broad range, covers a broad age range from a newborn infant to a young man of about 20. Jeremiah was a young man in the community. Not surprisingly, God didn't accept these excuses. God knew what he could do through Jeremiah. Therefore, the Lord has simply repeated his commission to his servants. God encouraged Jeremiah to not be afraid of anyone. Knowing that God had called him to a specific purpose should have lessened Jeremiah's fear. But God, but God offered something even greater, his own presence. I will be with you to deliver you. Likewise, God is with us as we carry out his purpose. Jesus promised that his Father would send the Consular, the Holy Spirit, John 14, 26, to help us. This Holy Spirit, the same power who raised Jesus from the dead, Romans 8 and 11, lives in us. We are never alone. We are never alone. Look at the bullet list there. I don't know how to speak. Does the excuse machine often come up in our minds sometimes? Oh yeah. Whenever we are called to do something, the very first thing that happens is the excuse machine comes on, right? That's something to do. All right. We find some reason why we can't do it, as opposed to why we can do it, right? Okay. Question number three. What are some excuses we use for not doing what God has called us to do? Those same two right there. Those same two. <laughs> Fair. What else are those two? Fair. 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 Limited education. Limited education. Say. Huh? Of what people will say. What people will say, okay. Stage fright. Stage fright. Okay. Can't speak. No, Can't no. speak. Especially if it's something that you've never done before, right? You've never done it before. On Friday, my uh, one of my bosses called me and says, uh, uh, "Mr. Pierce, could you? Uh, we, we we had a shipment came in, the coffee table, the glass broke. Uh, we need to get it replaced. Uh, could you call Nassau Glass and find out what what is involved?" I'd never done anything like that before. You know, I didn't even know if you could actually do something like that. You know, uh, and so I said, uh, "Okay, no problem." Um, call Nassau Glass, and I said. Um, I have a problem with a broken glass. Could you send somebody out to look at it and let me know what it'll cost to place? Sure, I can put it in a work, a work order. Wow, never done that before. So we put in a work order. And, then, and that's when he told me to come over and look at it because they were gonna be traveling on Monday. Nobody's gonna be there. So I need to go and talk with these fellas when they show up. You know, but we often get this excuse machine comes on in our head whenever we call to do something that we've never done before. Jeremiah had the same situation. The excuse machine, we all have it. Okay, so we need to be mindful that there is such a thing as an excuse machine that comes on in our head whenever we call to do something. Okay, let's look at the, uh, the activity here. Yeah. Imagine you are a friend 
who made the following comments about the value of human life. Choose one comment and record how you would respond. Anybody chose one of those and responded to it? Yes, I did. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Embryos and fetuses are collections of tissue under development. They're not people. God doesn't make mistakes. Hmm. Once there is conception, there is life. Yep. Everything God created has a purpose and a plan. Amen. Scripture says he created not anything in vain. Right? Everything God created is purpose. Anybody else? Get another one? Okay, one says, I don't see a problem with assisted suicide. People have the right to choose when they die. God chooses Who gave life? God. Who has the right to take it? God. All right. There you go. Simple answer, right? <laughs> Except God does have uh, provisions in the scripture for the death penalty, doesn't he? Yes. What does it say? I and I Whoever takes a life should be taken. You know, it's amazing how the law. It's amazing how the law is so selective. Eh? The law goes into scripture and it picks up what it likes and uses it, and what it doesn't like, it just leaves it and be quiet about it. Don't say anything about it. And I hear many people talk about, uh, you know, how the Bible talks about capital punishment. Yeah. Society needs to be honest about people with severe disabilities. Mm -hmm. We need to face the fact that some lives are more valuable than others. All life is the same. Is that true? Yeah. Everybody's created for purpose, right? Yes. What steps can you take to further develop a biblical perspective on the sanctity of life issues affecting our culture? Get more involved. Get more involved. Educate. Okay. Follow the principles that we've been instructed by the word of God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Take the lesson and apply it, right? Yes, sir. We're just speaking up, each of us speaking up and not keeping quiet in mm. conversations, even. That small thing can be used of God to flourish the truth yeah. and um, embolden others to stand with the truth. So it, it just starts small with each of us and it can really be used by God to create great change. In a powerful way. That's right. Okay, next uh, verses, uh, Jeremiah 9 to 10, page 73. Okay, someone can read that. Then the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth, and told me, I have now filled your mouth with my words. See, I have appointed you today over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and demolish, to build and plant. God okay, you can stop right there. Okay, uh... God has given Jeremiah his purpose. He has declared that he had put his words in Jeremiah's mouth. He gave Jeremiah a visual picture 
sort of to reinforce his calling. And sometimes God has to do that. Uh, God reached out his hand and he touched Jeremiah's mouth. When God called Isaiah to be his prophet, God sent one of his angels to touch Isaiah's mouth. Remember that? It's in Isaiah chapter 6. When God called Ezekiel to be his prophet, he showed him a scroll and told him to do what with it? He told him to eat it. Meaning that God's word, meaning that God was giving him the words to speak to the people of Israel. God used these visions to encourage Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Jeremiah that he was equipping them or preparing them or giving them whatever they needed to fulfill their roles as his prophets. He also declared that he would put his words in Jeremiah's mouth. God was telling Jeremiah that from that point on, he would speak through him. God spoke to Jeremiah through both the vision and the assuring words that he gave him over that period of time. God wants Jeremiah to have absolute confidence that he had equipped him to serve as his prophet. And you know God does the same thing to us today? Read the, read the verses under the, the, the paragraphs under the verse. God has uniquely and wonderfully made each one of us, and God makes no mistakes. He took plenty of time crafting you and me just the way he wants us to be. Whatever challenges and limitations we think we have, have God has designed us and equipped us with exactly what we need to bring him glory. Jeremiah saw himself as limited. He was young and he didn't speak well, but God knew better. The Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth. God chose Jeremiah to be his prophet and he equipped <coughs> Jeremiah with both the words he needed and the ability to speak those words. God equips each of us as he chooses. Some of us wish we could speak as Jeremiah did. Some of us wish we could lead like Moses, or write like David, or do such and such like so and so. But the world only needed one Jeremiah, one Moses, and one David. Amen. Remember, God gave the world only one Jeremiah, and he has given the world only one you. Just as God called Jeremiah in a unique way, he equipped Jeremiah in a unique way. God works the same way today, giving each of us a unique way and place to serve and glorify him in the kingdom of God. He will use you and me for specific purposes and plans, things he has designed and designated for only you and me to complete. We will live more purposeful and fulfill lives when we avoid comparisons and submit to his purpose for our lives. No matter how, how others may see us or how we see ourselves, God continually shapes us and equips us for his purposes and his glory. No matter who we are or what we've done, we can bring glory to God through Christ. We were created for a purpose. Okay. A couple of points there we need to point out. Uh, one is that God has uniquely 
and wonderfully made each of us. And God makes no mistakes. You need to remember that. He took plenty of time crafting you and made you and me just the way he wants us to be. That's important because a lot of people are not pleased with their lives in the many aspects. Okay? You know, I, I saw in the newscast just yesterday, a lady went to a cosmetic clinic to have a procedure that seems to be popular, and she died. And uh, she came from Missouri, I think it was, and just a couple of weeks ago, there was another lady came from uh, one of the Caribbean islands to do a similar procedure. Some of you may have saw it. She died. Now, those people were not pleased with whatever they had or whatever they were. They never considered the fact that God made them just the way they are and they were, they were created for a purpose. They decided, no, I want something else. I, I don't like this. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Okay? And we have many people like that today. They do not like the way they look. They don't know the, a lot of things they don't like about themselves. But God chose us and uh, he crafted us. It says here, he took plenty of time crafting you and me just the way he wants us to be. However we are, God made us that way. The second point is, just as God called Jeremiah in a unique way, he equipped Jeremiah in a unique way. God works the same way today, right now, giving each of us a unique way and place to serve and glorify him in the kingdom of God. If you haven't found that yet, you need to start looking. And then the third one is, no matter how others may see us or how we see ourselves, God continually shapes us and equips us for his purposes and his glory. Notice, not our purpose and our glory. His purpose and his glory, no matter who we are or what we have done, we can bring glory to God through Christ. We are created for a purpose. <coughs> Brings us to questions four and five on page 73. What are some things all Christians are called to do? Some things all Christians are called to do. Hmm? We're called to bring glory to God. Called to bring glory to God. What else are we called to do? Witness. To witness to others. Okay. Uh, the Bible tells us that we are, you are ambassadors for Christ. Right? We're all ambassadors for Christ. We are the ones who are going to go out and reach others for Christ. What else? To serve. To serve? Yeah. Okay. Jesus Christ came to earth and he uh, gave an example of a Servant, right? And so we are to serve like he served. What else? Make disciples. Make disciples. Okay. Jesus is not going to come down to make disciples. He already did that. He set an example for us. He came down and he made 12 disciples. And he told them, now you go and make disciples. And we have the same directive, the same command, the same calling. Question number five. How has God equipped you to fulfill your purpose? Now it gets personal. How do you think God has equipped you specifically? Don't look at the other person, don't think about the other person, you. How has God equipped you to fulfill your purpose that he has created you for? Anybody? He's given us strength 
is giving us his word and uh, he, he's promised to bless us. Okay. Perhaps God has made you a good conversationalist. You could bring up a conversation in a line somewhere and you are good at that. That's your purpose that God has given you. Encourager. Encourager, okay. God has given you encourage. How is the person who are giving? Person who's not involved in any kind of misery, but their their passion is giving for God's work. That's what God has created you to be. What else? Anybody else? I'm sure there's a whole lot of other things. Okay, but the point is, the point is, before you were born, God designed you with great value. That's the point of the lesson. Before you were born, God designed you with great value. So don't let anybody tell you that you have no value. <coughs> Let's look at the uh, page 74 and see how we can apply this as we go forth uh, during the course of the week. How will you respond to the truth that God values you and has created you for a purpose? Consider the following suggestions. Memorize Proverbs 3, 4, and 5. What does that say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Okay, and the challenge is that that should be one that we know by heart. Yeah. Alright, but uh, in case you're wondering, just write it on a 355 index card and place it where you'll see it often. And every time you read it, pray that God will make clear His path and purpose for you. Well, we put it on the dashboard of your car, on the refrigerator, wherever you see, you, you find yourself looking most. And then the second, second thing is ask for God's direction. Pray and ask God to show you something specific He wants you to do. It may be as simple as inviting your neighbor to church or a Bible study group. Then watch for an opportunity to obey. Okay, ask God for direction. And then, thirdly, stand up for others. Find others in your community, the unborn, the aged, those with physical and or mental challenges, and work to ensure they are not devalued by society. Help them find their purpose and worth in Christ. So three things we can do this week. Memorize Proverbs 3, 5, 6. Ask God for direction and stand up for others. Are those too difficult to do? No. Okay, we can all do those, right? Um, I have physically this child's granddaughter. Mm -hmm. She'll be 19 this year. And every Sunday she's in church. And um, she cannot speak. We have to feed her, we have to lift her, do everything that she is. Very happy, she's well taken care of. She's revealing a purpose. Big because you can't leave her by mm -hmm. itself. Someone always has to be there with her. But God created her for a purpose. She's very happy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good. She could probably teach other people she happiness. Does, because when I sing to her, she'll have her hand mm -hmm. responding, let me know. And if I stop, she'll say, she'll run or she'll say something. Mm -hmm. When I start again, she'll be waving her hand. She knows how to respond. When you see someone like that, what does it remind you of? 
people are always complaining about things that happen to them or this and that. And you see someone who can't do anything that a lot of people can do. And the thought comes to mind, when you think you have it bad, right. someone else have it worse, but they're not complaining. No. They're not complaining. So you can learn a lot from a person like that. There's no room for hatred or prejudice on our earth to follow, on our path to follow God and fulfill our purposes in his kingdom. There's no, purpo- there's no room for hatred or prejudice on our path to follow God and fulfill our purpose in his kingdom. The more you recognize your value in Christ, the more you will lift up the value of others. Amen?